a ragtag group of 5GFA alums head out on the open sea in search of all the fish. Under Captain George Clooney's horrible leadership, these seamen press their luck and venture out further than anyone has ever gone. Much to their chagrin, three storms collide, forming one massive storm that is basically perfect. Captain George Clooney exercises more horrible leadership and gets everyone killed. Guys, let's talk about the perfect storm. Look what I have created! I have made fire! I have made fire! I think this is one of the traits of a really good producer. Keep the talent at She just killed a helicopter with a car. He's out of bullets. All right, boys, prepare to be dazzled. Break yourself, fool! Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? It's important that we, we get together on this thing. If you had some glue, I'm really good at gluing. I could just glue it. Sandbagging son of a bitch. Y'all ready to bust the ass? Lick a license. A lick her license. We've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Hello! I am an FBI agent. You look like a blueberry. I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. You know who I am? You that silly ass reporter from the Channel 5 News. I'm Mo Green. What are you looking at, butthead? Let's go, let's go, I'm bored, let's go. Welcome back to Five Guys Flicking Around. Today we're talking about a storm. That's right. And this storm's perfect. That's why we've gathered here today to celebrate the 20-year anniversary and uh, get some good storm talk going. This movie's based on a true story, and it's the 29th anniversary of the storm, Interesting. which is also fun. Yeah. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. Um, it's a fun fact. I hope you guys have uh, studied up on your weather charts reading, mm. because I mm-hmm. have a lot, so that will be a pretty extensive... A piece of the conversation. You sent us all emails saying, right. study up, bozos. Yeah. See, I studied all the nautical symbols and everything. Was that not what I was supposed to be doing? Yeah, it will, it'll that work was together. was nautical what you were supposed to be doing. <laughs> I studied the charts you sent us. Actually, I didn't. I'm going to say that I did and then just agree with whatever you say. And then repeat it and like repackage it as my own kind of thing. And yeah. exposure to exposure. the tracking of storms and the development of storms. And, yeah. and being able right. to look at a chart without storms that are completely developed, but see that they will yeah, come. You basically get like, you see the storms forming and you kind of read them and see like where the storms are like heading towards. Yeah, you project the storm's path. You didn't read the storm the, charts. No, I did. The thing I found so fascinating is that they've they've shortened sea charts into just charts. So a lot of mistakes were made. Yeah. Um, yeah. On that note, let's jump into first impressions. Joel, what was your first impressions of the perfect storm? So my first impressions, I remember this movie being a big deal. Back when it came out, George Clooney was pretty much at his peak, or towards his peak. Mark Wahlberg was nice up and coming. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty star-studded cast. Um, this movie made $328 million. It's a lot of money. Um, it, $17 million yeah. too many. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> yeah, about that. That's, yeah. more than a, that's more than a sword fishing trip take home. But, you know, overall, I didn't really like this movie. Ryan, first impression. Um... Excited about this movie. Excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching this in the theaters when it came out. Was uh, very surprised by the ending, having not 
really known the true story that it was based on. Um, I had no idea that everyone was going to die. And so for that, for me at that Spices time, it, yeah. it was a surprise. It was a, it was a ride of a movie. Yeah. I, uh, I remember seeing this movie and really being into it. Um, I think I knew that they died at the end. I really, I enjoyed the movie up into the storm. I really liked being with everyone. <laughs> Just most of the well, movie. no, I liked the bar at the beginning uh, on it shore. It looks like such a fun bar. I liked the whole early part of the, the voyage until the, the boat scene. I enjoyed it up to that point. Um, so I guess I probably like 65% enjoyed this movie on a rewatch. So that's yeah. my impression. I agree uh, with Aaron completely. We were watching it together and we kept pausing it and being like, Jesus Christ, just die already. Yeah. The middle third was incredible um, for reasons we'll touch on later. Um, but yeah, that, that first and second third were great. Last third, totally hated it. Just wanted them to die and get it over with. So mm, I, it's fine. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well put. <laughs> yeah, I think the movie is elongated by the whole helicopter involvement yeah. in the rescue. Mm -hmm. It's very long-winded. Yeah. Um, and there's intense moments in all of those other character scenes, but I'm ready to just watch the, the boat that we're following yeah. and that story. And I people. think if this movie is a book... Like, I didn't read the book. I'm assuming none of us read the book. I read the no. book. Okay. Don't make well, any assumptions. It was in your emails. <laughs> to start, the plot of the movie is basically, you know, some fishermen get on a boat. Um, and then to finish the plot of the movie is they go out on the water and they don't come back. And Let's that's, jump into categories. <laughs> that's the plot rundown. No, but yeah. you guys talked about how um, some of the establishing stuff in the beginning was pretty entertaining. You get to see some backstory. A long intro. Of some of the characters. A long, long so intro. Yeah, it was about 30 intro. minutes of, of runtime before just they take their scenery, voice. Just the music. Just the water and the... Just the music of them coming into shore and unloading and the whole, like, them... Yes. Up to, like, they yeah. got paid. It was, yeah. like, eight minutes, I think, we stopped and looked yeah. at it. And it was, like, okay, like, with the music going yes. and, like, it's yeah. kind of montage -y. The music is very romantic. Yeah. The entire film, the idea of a fisherman in Massachusetts is made out to be such a romantic thing. The opening section of the movie, I like to call this section, Being a Fisherman Sucks. We meet some of their love interests and some of their families back home. Diane Lane gets to uh, showcase her Boston accent in the film. Which, at at first, was anybody confused that I thought she was maybe like an older sister or a mom? Like, <laughs> yeah, if you had told me that Diane Lane and Mark Wahlberg were love interests in a movie together, I probably would have told you I don't think that's true. Like, I totally believe it. Well, it was she's a babe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like, like a really good looking, I just, and not that much older than Mark maybe Wahlberg. From, yeah. I bet. Maybe like. From a, uh, Maybe it's not like a, they're 20 years apart in age. No, but no. from from a lens from now, I guess the roles that I'm used to seeing her in and the roles I'm used to seeing him in don't ever cross mm. paths in a way. Like, generationally, I see that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the actual age difference is. Albert was probably like 30 or something when this Joel's came Joel's looking it up. Yeah. We got an age expert Well, here. I was going to say, like, it's implied that they're both... Like, this is their second Whoa. marriages or, like, relationships, she, right? Yeah. She's only six years older than him. Yeah, I said yeah. five. Yeah. That seems about right. That's fair. We meet uh, the uh, Crow's Nest, the bar is called, which is a great name for a bar. Mm -hmm. Which I gotta say is freaking popping. It is popping. Yeah. Poppin'. It's reminiscent of Roadhouse in a way where... You don't know what's going to happen at that bar. It's not so much uh, uh, violent, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. still like a, a pretty rough crowd. The couple goes up. The What's his name? Pierre? Juan Pierre? 
Juan Pierre, yeah. He goes up and they're banging and the like the lights are shaking and yeah. everyone's really enjoying that. Yeah. It's like going, that's Wee! I don't yeah, know. there's like, bedrooms upstairs that are to be used by any patron I in guess, the bar. Yeah, it's like a, this is a whorehouse. Let's <laughs> call it what it is. <laughs> um, you have the scrawny guy, which is uh, John Hawks. John Hawker. Yeah, he uh, don't drop the ball on his name again. He, he hits on Irene. Um, hits on Irene. He, his line <laughs> is, "Hey, you know what would look good on you? Me." Mm-hmm. And that's just one of those like. Google funny pickup lines. Yeah, that's the first right. one that you see. He's got a lot he, of lines. He delivers it pretty sad. Like, I feel bad for him. Oh. He just looks... I, I have I a big problem it. with the whole Irene love interest. We'll talk more about it later, but that, yeah. to me, is like completely not founded on anything. So <laughs> What? So the next part of the movie I call a romantic goodbye. And this is after Clooney's come to the crew and says, sorry, you guys, don't get to stay home for that long. You got... Two days, yeah, and we're stocking up, and we're going out again for one more haul before the season's over. The Clooney angle of being this kind of obsessed with going back out and getting—it's kind of pulls on a lot of the nautical Moby Dick kind of obsession. Gets the best of you. We don't um, ever see him get the fish, but that is where that is where the movie lies for me. So when you guys say that it's too long, I can I can see that when it's over romanticized, I'm bought in. So William Fitchner is recruited. Uh, and we find out pretty quickly that him and John C. Riley do not get along. Um, and there's the uh, sort of boarding the ship romantic goodbyes. Irene shows up. Diane Lane's there. Hey. Um, Irene. Irene. I knew that. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say goodbye. No one ever said goodbye to me before. Well, goodbye, Irene. Goodbye. I wish it were night so I could say goodnight, Irene. <laughs> That'll come later. And uh, now we're 32 minutes in, and we're taking off About out the of the harbor, yep. starting the real story of the film. Um, in this part of the movie, I call it the bromantic departure. Ah. Slash, I'm loving this new like chapter three, the romantic departure. I don't know, a romantic departure slash something's brewing and it ain't a pot of coffee. It's the scurvy that's brewing. (laughs) No, it's a storm, and we get to see Shooter McGavin make an appearance as the uh, the local weatherman, of course, and uh, he's perfect for weatherman role. He is. They didn't have to such a. There were no auditions for this. But role. his only purpose is to say it would be a disaster of epic proportions. It would be the perfect storm. He didn't serve any other purpose. It wasn't like we have to warn everyone. Like he literally just like storms are brewing. There's a storm. It's yeah. a perfect storm. And that's the movie. We get Clooney and Wahlberg in the uh, the captain's deck, and there's just that romantic music again behind them talking about their lives, and it's really a bromance. That's uh, also brewing. In yeah, Wahlberg's a real brown noser. The next part I call Let's Go Fishing, and you know it's the Let's Go Fishing part because George Clooney walks out on the boat and says, Let's Go Fishing. And they start <laughs> fishing, and that's pretty much the rest of the movie. Yeah, they bump like music on the radio, and like as soon as they do that, and like they're having fun, I'm having fun. Yeah. Um, this is around the same time you see the, I think, over emotional scene between Diane Lane and Mark Wahlberg's mom. 
Uh, Over emotional. Yeah. So now the, you're on board with us. Well, that this from, is just sentimental garbage. <laughs> no, there's a few like sentimental characters in the movie that I'm all in on, and mm-hmm. uh, John C. Riley is one of those. George Clooney is one of those. But um, from Wahlberg's mom, the like you're the perfect woman for my son speech yeah. is very, very like it's why are you, it's so tearful mm-hmm. and so dramatic. I didn't like how I didn't like her voiceover when she moved in the apartment. It was just so sappy. It was like the letter. I know you said we never had a place together to live, and I know I rent. It's nothing special, but it it was just like okay, we get it. You got an apartment. Like these throw pillows. It's not this magical thing. You got an apartment. GFA has teamed up with everyone's favorite MILF and is proud to present Diane's Lanes. Is your name Diane? Do you wish you had your own dedicated carpool lane for people of your own ilk also named Diane? Well, lady, you're in luck. Introducing Diane's Lanes, the only carpool lane where the name of the game is Diane. Don't be lame with another name in a slow lane. Use your brain and get in the fast lane when you change your name to Diane so you can join Diane's Lane and guarantee your commute is faster than a train, plane, or automo car. Diane's Lane's definitely not exclusive, outdated, or short-sighted. What if your name's Diana? No. Going to the end, sort of, but Dr. Greenlaw's got to be bummed that Clooney dies because, like, she was way out of her league with Clooney. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. She was tapping that. Hello, my name is Dr. Greenlaw. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we were doing that a lot yesterday. (laughs) The next part of the movie I like to call, and it's kind of a surprising that it comes at this point in the film, the hook of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. So usually, you know, when writing a script, you want to hook the uh, audience in early. But <laughs> you should have called it hook, line, and stinker. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on some of the names of these chapters. Um, the uh, John C. Riley hook scene is so Scarsgardian. Yeah. Because it goes bad so fast. He's, he's kind of playing with the hook. He's like tapping it playfully right before it snags his hand. And to me, it's so Skarsgård with just like smoking a cigarette right before. Yeah, like, this is is great. Yeah, like like, I'm so happy. (laughs) And uh, he gets yanked pretty pretty hard, pretty fast into the the deep blue. I don't know how um, they're able to locate him so fast, but they do. Uh, Fitchner jumps in first. Uh, So we haven't talked about this, but... Aaron, very early on in the movie, William Fitchner's introduced. He's like a steel worker. He's smoking a cigarette. He's got like cut off sleeves. And Aaron's like, that's McSullivan. And it was like, all right, I get it. Like, he's a steel worker. He's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Pretty McSullivan y. <laughs> and then as the movie went on, we just kept watching him, imagining him as McSullivan. And it was incredible. <laughs> Everything he did was like, so McSullivan. Really? Really? Oh my God. That scene, especially, like, He's fucking up. Dropping He's fucking up, seat. dropping things. Everyone's yelling at him like, God damn it, McSullivan. Yeah. And then the guy goes in the water, and McSullivan's the first one to jump in and yeah, save the day. Yeah, he's ready to be, he's ready to be there. Uh, but yeah, like everything he did, like if you just rewatch it and imagine That's McSullivan. Great. Oh, it's a Kyle great 10-minute movie. When he does the lightsaber with the light stick thing. <laughs> 
Like, that's the only thing that's a little off-brand. If that had been McSullivan, he would have had it be his dick and be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, like, you know? Other than that one slight change, it's exactly a McSullivan It's exactly McSullivan. And it's beautiful. So, Fitchner jumps in after John C. Riley. Wahlberg joins in. They pull him up. Did you guys notice George Clooney's CPR technique? Yeah. It was it was very poor CPR technique. He doesn't want to put his mouth on his lips. He doesn't do the mouth to mouth. But his compressions on the chest are very just like, "Hey buddy, wake up." Yeah. I thought one yeah, here was yeah. going to like die first on a rewatch. He should have died. He's the least established backstory kind of like we don't see a kid or a love we see a love interest but it's like Easily them going up to plow. There's But yeah, he should have died. It would have been way cooler if like a crew member died along the way rather than they all die at the end. You know, right. I would have liked that. Yeah, because they're, like definitely, yeah. they're definitely planting the seed of uncertainty. Well, yeah. one person yeah. died along the way. It would have been a stronger case that they should have just headed back. Right. Yeah. And I think but that would have been an interesting wrinkle. Of like, do we go back or like, I don't know. Juan Pierre would have <laughs> yeah. wanted us to like it. plow Still. through. Still. We have a ton of ice. We could just put him on yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still. Yeah. 61,200 yeah. pounds. They're just tossing it back and forth with the fish. Like, oh, no, wait, it's one Pierre. I, I, I think John C. Riley almost dying is still more than enough reason to turn back, which uh, segues into the next chapter of this book of a movie that I like to call Do We Have Any Other Choice? Yes, you do. Like, we, we got, like, enough for a thousand bucks each for us. How about we save our lives? Yeah, this is Wahlberg's second trip, so... He needs this. This is big. This is his last yeah. trip as a Gloucesterman. He's out. Like, yeah, two trips. <laughs> two trips. Well, yeah. I, I kind of cut my teeth on the first one, yeah. and this is my last one. <laughs> I could really use the pay- also, payday. Also, his disappointment in the paycheck at the beginning was like, he's like, I was hoping it would be over three. And it's like, you got 2200 Like, it yeah. wasn't way off. Like, it no. wasn't. Okay, you and it was his first trip. A little bit. Yeah, like it wasn't like here's sixty bucks. Like, yeah. wait, I thought I was getting three grand. Um, we get another montage of them bringing in a lot of fish again, so it kind of just keeps flipping back and forth. So the fish are good, but the weather's bad, and again, sort of hope is restored, but it's really flip floppy in terms of completely discouraged. We need to go home, and man, we're making a good payday. Let's keep going, and this is when uh, the ice machine dies. And George Clooney finally makes the call that we're going home. But leaving the Flemish cap and going back home means going right through where the three yeah. hurricanes are colliding. And so we're introduced to the helicopter rescue team. For um, some reason. And they go and save another boat. Um, they're involved in a refueling disaster that leads to them needing to be rescued as well. I'd like to call this chapter unnecessary. <laughs> right. And that's... Uh, Really, the hope we have as viewers that maybe there's a chance that these guys get saved because um, the other captain is able to call in a mayday for them, but it proves unsuccessful. I love how after the uh, ice machine breaks, there's a scene that's, I don't know, kind of subtle, but it's all the guys just eating so much ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) It's because, like, that's going to go bad. They're kind of celebratory at that point. I think that they're... like a celebration. Yeah, they were hopeful, and they had brought in a lot of fish, but it was just, like, a really funny, like, ice cream sundae party. How much does a polar bear weigh? Enough to break the ice machine. Oh, that's (laughs) not. That's fun. I like that. (laughs) So they're in the middle of the storm, you know, like most of the movie, Mm -hmm. and uh, this part I like to call the turnaround, and it's where... That's a bad bite. Clooney <laughs> makes the call. Finally, there's kind of a quiet moment on the co- captain's deck, 
and he makes the call that they need to turn around and basically lose all of their take but save their lives. But it's an impossible maneuver to make, and they only have one shot to do it, mm-hmm. and it doesn't go so well. So with Mark Wahlberg's help, they fail in turning the boat around on a huge wave. Hey, so It's a pretty cool scene. They're going like up the wave. Yeah, it's, it's the, like, it's the movie poster shot of the film. I thought the visuals, to touch on that, were really well done. This is the same time that you have the uh, manager, the sort of boat owner, show up at the bar and he's a little insensitive again and uh, you get Diane Lane's overacting moment of the movie you know screaming at him do you read mm-hmm. me do you read me because mm-hmm. she's fed up with the the fact that you know her love interest is now but also this guy didn't force Clooney to go back out yeah. like mm-hmm. Clooney chose to go right back out very adamantly this yeah. guy had no like say it's his boat but other yeah. than that it's like alright if you want to go back out go for yeah, it yeah his like, response is like that's the name of the game sounds that's like a, he has a pretty like formulaic approach to the take and how it's dispersed and yeah. the balance sheet of the whole operation so like yeah go for it so when he's like when they're like giving him shit for oh you had showed your face here it's okay old he man old man gave him credit yeah he did yeah love that guy dan lane's like what do you want credit for showing up or something like yeah. that and old man's like yes give it to him or whatever like and it, it's true. George Clooney's the one. He's the reason your husband's going to die. Yeah. Your husband wanted to turn around. Your husband wanted to wait to go back out. Everyone Clooney said, I'll fire you at every turn he had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when they make the turnaround move, they're, they're actually successful for a moment because, I mean, the boat gets flipped around and it gets filled with water quickly, mm-hmm. but it recovers. And there's a, uh, a moment where they kind of see some sunlight. And that, I think, is the hope for the these eye guys. Of the hurricane. Yeah, they see a glimpse of, and I think one of them might even say, you know, we might make it out of this, um, but it's not long before they've gone way too far into the middle of the storm and they're not going to make it. Um, and the crew back at home waiting for any news has found out that the helicopters have given up and there's nobody out there looking for them. That had to hurt. Clooney screams at the wave. She's not going to let us out. I thought that was pretty good. You bitch. Yeah. He's just like. See, that felt like overacting to me. That whole him and Wahlberg just yelling at the wave. like. Ah. It's the pinnacle of his arrogance. It's the pinnacle of his determination. To me, it's like just the most passionate moment that you get to see out of him. They get capsized and they're all neck deep in the water. Um, claustrophobic to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was stressful. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple last lines from some of the guys that we've grown to like. I think we're rooting for them. Maybe it's arguable. How I'm rooting much for you... everyone but Juan Pierre. Yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Degaff, Juan Pierre. And then uh, Clooney and, and Wahlberg make at, well, they make an attempt to swim out from the boat before it sinks completely. And you have that shot of Clooney staying behind. I remember when I saw it as a whatever, 12-year-old. Tween? I was like, maybe he, uh, I was like, I don't, I asked my mom, like, do you think he survived? You know, like, yeah. he could have survived, yeah. right? Just like, no, there's no way. Yeah. But he, uh, before his, his struggle is completed, um, and we don't really get to see him die, he has a telepathic moment with Diane Lane's character mm-hmm. where he sort of voiceovers in the distance. Christina. Christina, can you hear me? 
I don't know if you can, but I'm talking to you, baby. Do you know how much I love you? I loved you the moment I saw you. I love you now, and I love you forever. No goodbye. There's only love, Christina. Only love. I'll agree with you guys on this one that it's overdone. <laughs> What really takes it over the edge for me is the uh, image of her appearing on the screen uh, in a uh, mm-hmm. ghost-like imagery. Yeah. Uh, just too much. Well, and like if you just had him talking to himself in his head, you don't have the image. This is his final thoughts. Like, I hope you can hear me. And then that's it. Yeah. But she like later the next day Recalls is like, the same I-, words. I woke up and I had this crazy dream where he was speaking to me. I'll be asleep. And then all of a sudden, there he is. That big smile. You know that smile. And I say, hey, Bobby, where you been? But he won't tell me. He just smiles and says, remember, I'll always love you, Christina. I love you now and I'll love you forever. There's no goodbye, only love. And he's gone. And yeah. it was everything he said. It's like, for fuck's sake, come on. Yeah, she like, speaks word for insane. word what he said. She also has a dream before their departure in the beginning that she's not sure about this trip because in Bobby, her dream. Bobby, I get a bad feeling. Yeah, so I don't know. Oh, Peter. Yeah. Um, it fades to black. Mr. Shetford, don't go. It's a play we're working on. <laughs> it fades to black, and it's one week later. I like to call this... Mr. Shatford, don't go, question mark. Mr. Shatford, don't go, exclamation mark. Who Mr. knows? Mr. Shatford, comma, don't go. Yeah. Mr. Shatford, don't go. We have a lot to work with. That's we don't right. know the angle of the play yet. It's going to uh, be long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it fades to black. It's uh, a week later, and we get the funeral scene of everyone who has been waiting on shore. And everyone fishermen. else who's alive still. Yeah, I had a, a packed church. I had a big problem with Irene's um, appearance at the funeral. Um, we talked earlier about you did not like Irene. Yeah, gee, what's wrong with that? I just think that this guy hit on her once with a really bad pickup line. I feel like, and they, now she gets a front row seat at his funeral. I feel like they banged. Um, we get the eulogy from the Doctor Greenlaw. Yeah, <laughs> we re, we get to hear the uh, eulogy from Greenlaw. Um, this chapter is called Greenlaw's Eulogy. Yeah, <laughs> we we get to we return to the city hall wall of names that are on the wall, which we saw in the very that beginning was of the gnarly. film. Just having that in, as you're in your city hall, like, yeah. here's everyone who's just died at Crazy. sea. Yeah, it feels like on a long enough timeline, you're just gonna die at sea some, <laughs> at some point. Like whether it's your second trip or yeah. your fifty second trip. Yeah. Just I'd just be talking my kid out of it the whole time. Like, yeah. No, yeah. don't like, do that. Join the military like anything. Go play else. football without yeah. a helmet. That's <laughs> <Anything> fine. <laughs> yeah. Finally we get to see Dr. Greenlaw go out on a voyage and the the boat heads out into the horizon and she remembers George Clooney's romantic quote about being a Gloucesterman. Mm-hmm. And uh oh, I'm a Gloucesterman, been a Gloucesterman, <laughs> always been a Gloucesterman. Yeah. A Wolfgang Peterson film projects on the screen, and it's dedicated to the 10,000 Glossermen who have died since 1623. Unlike other movies, like, there's movies where people die, and you're following them, and you're sad, firefighters, whatnot, like, but they're doing something to save other people. 
This is literally just like, let's watch six guys die for some fish. Well, they stress that, like, oh, this is like, we love fishing, but they don't really. Wahlberg says it at one point, but it's like, do you, man? This is your second trip. Yeah. Clooney second loves trip. it. Everyone else, you get the feeling is like, this is a paycheck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a bummer that this is how we went out. Like, yeah. John C. Riley never gets to see his kid again. John Hawks never gets to marry the love of his life. Irene. Uh, Juan Pierre. <sighs> who cares? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Have you or a loved one ever lost a boat, ship, or other flotation device at sea? If you answered yes to that question, I have a second question for you. When you lost that boat, ship, or other flotation device at sea, did those nerds at the Coast Guard tell you they would try to find it? That they would do their best and canvas a wide radius? If you answered yes to that question, well, I have one final question for you. Did they ever actually find your missing boat, ship, or other flotation device? I'm going to fancy a guess and say that no, they didn't find your boat, ship, or other flotation device. And if they didn't, and you answered no to that question, there's one more question I need to ask. Aren't you or your loved ones sick and tired of getting the same old bureaucratic red tape bullshit, song and dance routine, whenever you report a missing boat, ship, or other flotation device? All while they're salvaging these boats, ships, and other flotation devices, throwing on a coat of paint, and then selling them on the dark websites. If you answered yes to that question, you need to check out No Ship Sherlock, the first privately owned and operated search and salvage, private investigative, boat, ship, and other flotation device firm. At No Ship Sherlock, they gear up, throw on their wetsuits, and then put on old-timey detective clothes like Sherlock Holmes, and they go out and find that missing boat, ship, or other flotation device, and they bring it back to you. They also smoke out of a corncob pipe, whether they want to or not. And no ship Sherlock, they run a tight ship, because they don't give a ship. Pun intended. And also, the second pun was intended. Let's jump into categories. Yeah. How's that sound, guys? I'd like to dive in for this episode. (laughs) Why don't we start with the best scene I saw? Ryan, what was the best saw you saw? Who's Ryan? Poulard. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, so when the uh, the ship capsizes and they're all going down, um, just height of the drama for me. Um, hard to not overlook that. And specifically John C. Riley's "My son's gonna have a tough time with this line" was just. I'm such a sucker for John C. Riley drama, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's where he started out and where. A lot of his career was built, but I know him so much now as a comedy actor. And while I think comedy in his career was a curveball and a surprise for a lot of people, to me now his dramatic roles are a surprise to watch. And at the beginning, that relationship with his son and the ex-wife, we're so used in movies to seeing oh her being like really mean to him or him having a bad relationship with her. They have like a good relationship. You believe him as a sincere father who loves yeah. his kid. And the kid's important to him. He's not just running off to sea to, like, have his own fun. He says earlier in the car ride with his son, like, your mom's going to find a new dad for you soon. It was right. just, like, heart-wrenching. He kind of is joyful about it. And I think it's the way that you deal with kids at that age where mm-hmm. you only have one way to deliver it, which is in a light way. Right. But maybe, like, your takeaway from that conversation is, like, a very deep and sad, mm-hmm. like, sorrowful takeaway. Joel, what was the best scene you saw? 
best scene I saw. Hey, be was... serious about it, right? On the heels of John C. Riley. Come on. <laughs> that decorum. Very, decorum, decorum, decorum. That very serious take on John C. Riley's career. <laughs> best scene I saw. John Serious Riley. <laughs> was when they first started to fish on the boat. And they're kind of waiting until, you know, they get the call from George Clooney. And he looks at him and says, let's fish. Go fishing. And they all get pumped. They throw on the music. And it's just like head bashing time, you know? It's yeah. Like mm -hmm. When the uh, Bash Brothers and Mighty Ducks, too, are like, yeah, it's time, baby. And they, you know, yeah. pound each other and yeah. put their headgear on. And we pounded yeah. each other? I, I feel like. Headgear? <laughs> It's very different. The helmet? No, the bandana. Okay. You feel like Portman and Fulton would have been great on this ship. You know, they would have fit right in as Portman, especially because of the name. Yeah. Right. Well played. And like they get like even a sliver of Wahlberg's share. It's like, and you guys get a fourth of his share. Here's your thirty-five dollars. Yeah. And they're like, we're twelve. That's amazing. How much candy? How much freaking candy? We can... we can buy so much goddamn milk. <laughs> uh, Kyle, best scene you saw? Hands down, it was the John C. Riley hook in the hand scene. Yeah. Uh, I thought the tension was great, and above all else, that middle third, just watching William Fitchner as McSullivan. Yeah. It was the highlight of maybe my week. It was incredible. Yeah. Like for it, we were talking about, if you chop up. The 10 minutes of William Fitchner, just just him and like all of the things he's doing. He's like he's spitting up blood at one second, which is classic <laughs> McSullivan. Like he's constantly smoking cigarettes. He's lazy. Yeah, he's lazy. He's he, fucking up. He kicks the like door open, which is a McSullivan <laughs> yeah. move of like pretending to be working hard. He tells like... uh he tells John C. Riley he's gonna bang his wife. Like yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. it was so good. I need to rewatch the movie. You need yeah. to rewatch it with that context. His dive in after John C. Riley yeah. to me, I would love to put up there with the Nick Cage dive. Yeah. Um in best five GFA stunt yeah. occurrences. And it's a good dive. It is. His name is Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. They call him Sully. <laughs> That's where we put crap. it together. <laughs> I forgot. His name is Sullivan. <laughs> oh, my it's God. It's crazy. Yeah, his last name's Sullivan. All right, we're done. <laughs> it's crazy. We're done. Wrap the pod. Yeah. But the hook in the hand scene with the McSullivan arc was just beautiful. Even the line when they get out, and he's like, I'm supposed to say, uh, you do the same for me, I guess, right? It's like, <laughs> such a McSullivan. Just like, yeah. You piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. He, like, hits him on the arm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, the McSullivan scenes are the best scenes in the movie. I also <laughs> Sully the Sully, scene, um, the bar scene at the beginning. I love. It was just a fun, great bar scene. Great everyone getting to know everyone, getting to know everyone's a little slice of their personality and their background story, and uh, seems like a fun place. Seems like everyone's having a really good time. It does. They're playing. It would take a long time it's to like get a spot at the pool table. Cheers meets the Double Deuce. Yeah, that's a great yes, exactly. Yeah. Kyle made, a, Kyle made a good point that like, because I mentioned how Clooney is such a stud in this movie. Like 2000 Clooney this is, is just what a what a fox. Yeah, and like Kyle pointed out, Mark Wahlberg compared to Clooney is just like oh this guy's just like this 
brute, like whatever. Mark Wahlberg is so whatever next to Clint. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like I was. Boy, I was saying he's a rookie. So. I was saying that no, but just based on looks, like looks George Clooney, like, like is so much more attractive than Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. It's the same as Mark Wahlberg next to John C. Riley. Yeah, like, it's like it's that movie, big of a gap. Any other movie, you're like, wow, Wahlberg, that guy's a stud. Yeah, like, next to Clooney, it's like, you're no, like, you're not. Yeah, he's a stud. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah. alpha. Let's move on to how do you do that? How do you do what you do to me? I'm feeling blue. Wish I knew how you do it to me, but I haven't a clue. Joel, how do you do that? So my how do you do that has to deal with the ice cream. So we talked about this a little earlier. Um, this is very, there's a lot going on in the ship. And I guess my how do you do that is more why do you do that? Why do they even have so much ice cream on this ship? When they were getting all their supplies, they're like, hey, we got to get... There was like yeah, I mean, clearly the guy who ordered the pumpkin also got the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Solely had the, the credit card for yeah. the ship and just... Hey, guys, I got, a, I, got a, I got a bunch of moose tracks for his late night. There's a shot of him with little glasses, like a uh, pencil behind his neck, and he's making yeah. all these notes, and it's like, yeah. oh, you're just ordering ice cream and junk. Yeah, yeah there's this... I got, like, cut out. I got like 40 cans of tuna. Yeah. <laughs> there's this, Great. There's this, this scene they cut out where Clooney's like, what? the hell did you bring on this boat dude like well we have to go like i guess we'll be stocked on ice cream do you think on a ship like that you'd be more inclined to eat fish sticks or less inclined more i think more i think you'd be so sick of the smell of fish that eating fish then would be like yeah yeah but like a nice breaded version of what you're bringing home that's kinda, true i could kind of go for a fish stick right now that's now that we're talking about point. like you'd it's... be salivating for fish yeah. <laughs> They'd be yeah. like, let's have some spot. fried fish sticks. This would be yeah. great. Okay. okay. No, their diet is not great. There's like a, a dinner scene with just schlop. I guess it's chili mm. that they're like spooning into it their looks, mouths. Looks, Seems like a risky move on an oscillating boat. <laughs> yeah, it looks you know? like a sloppy Joe type of Yeah, thing. it was just like sloppy Joe in a just bowl. Like, yeah, like... uh, Sully forgot to buy the buns. So it's just like a bowl of sloppy Joe. <laughs> I'm on a no-carb thing. Yeah. <laughs> Like on a whim, he just decided he's no carbs, like he didn't get any carbs for the boat. Yeah. Kyle, how do you do that? Uh, we already talked about it, but the whole just Brandon would love this angle when it turns. Ooh. Where's Brandon? <laughs> Hello, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> uh, when it turns from a uh, thrilling disaster movie into Ghost at the end, where they're just telekinetically speaking, like during while he's alive, but then when he's dead and she's dreaming, yeah. and I don't, I don't know how they did that. That was impressive. Yeah. So, um, my how do you do that? I guess I kind of answered this, but. How did Wahlberg fit in so easily with everyone if this is his second trip? Now it makes more sense that his mom owns the bar, so there's sort of some sort of like nepotism. No one likes Juan Pierre, so. I guess, but it was just like, he seems like a seasoned sea dog, and he's baffled by his pay, which was the lowest rung possible on the pay scale. Right. And he just seems like one of the guys, and it's like, oh, no, you should be like, Oh, we get paid now? You know, this is like, yeah. I don't know how any of this works. Well, and he's also like the number two guy. In a lot of ways, Clooney lets him in the captain's deck right. way more often than any of the other deck hands. You feel like if mm-hmm. Clooney was like really ill, he would have been like, Wahlberg, you got the ship. Yeah, you know? he asks him to do the, like the maneuver, which requires both of them to steer and throttle at the same time together. Like, for I sure. feel like John Hawks should have been in there. 
John C. Riley's got a fucked up hand. He can't steer. No one likes Juan Pierre. Sully's a liability. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, all that's Hawks. left is John Hawks. And he's like a, he's like a, he seems like he's been doing it a long time. Yeah. And yeah. Hawks takes over when he has to have the talk with everybody. And I felt like a little bit of, uh, like he felt left out. Like, hey, the whole crew wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, you take over and I'll go down and have the chat. It's like, well, I kind of wanted to be a part of the <laughs> conversation too. Yeah, I actually have a lot to say. Like, we, don't have a whole, we have a whole thing Maybe like, we should planned out. It's like, I'm going to I'm gonna start things off. Then I'm going to throw it to Juan Pierre. Yeah, yeah that had to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Pollard, how do you do that? Uh, back to Mark Wahlberg's attractiveness against George Clooney's. <laughs> Um, how did Mark Wahlberg get away with growing a natural beard that looks so bad? And I have a patchy beard. There's plenty of room in the world for patchy beards, mm-hmm. but not when you're playing a Boston fisherman in this movie. It's not great. No, it's it's gross. It's like Mike's beard. It's like no one wants to look at that. No. <laughs> Me, that's the beard? guy. Yeah, it looks like you had a bigger beard and then a fire happened and now that's what's Which left. lends a little bit of credence to this theory because Mike lives on the East Coast. Yeah. So, right, you know. he's trying to do it. But he's a transplant. Mm-hmm. John C. Riley like pulls it off very oh, well. Yeah. Like yeah. the John C. Riley beard is like you are a fisherman on this boat. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's move on to That Had to Hurt. Ow! Kyle, That Had to Hurt. Uh, My That Had to Hurt is something that just bothered me the whole movie because they didn't acknowledge it. No one's cold. Like... They're in freezing water. Everyone, the rescue boat, the rescue people, yeah. this boat, and no one's ever like, "Ooh, it's fucking freezing. <laughs> We're drenched in water." Yeah. Like, it's like what, 25 degrees out there, like late October, East Coast waters. Come on, that's insane. That had to be so fucking freezing. Yeah, maybe adrenaline is just taken over, but you're right. Like someone should have been like, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted, it's I like, so fucking cold. <laughs> like turning blue or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That bothered me. Um, that my, that had to hurt is the shark bite that really had to hurt as a fellow shark bite survivor. <laughs> I can confidently say that shark bites are quite painful. Yeah. They're too and, painful. Uh, never addressed again. They don't show his wound being treated. He's, he's naked. Nope. He's never dressed again. Never undressed. <laughs> After the shark bite, he just—he never gets undressed again. We never see him take off his pants. I wait for SOS. I have a naked version that I'm ready to talk about. Um, but yeah, the shark bite—like he got bit by a shark. They show his leg; it's bloody. There's yeah. an imprint of a shark bite. He's fine. Yeah. Nothing. That's it. Get yeah. up, rookie. But that had to hurt. Yeah, to fit it, it back into the category. They treat it like if you're like playing pickup basketball and you get stuffed going up for a layup. It's like, come on, kid, get up, let's yeah, go play D. Like, like <laughs> you know, we got to get back on hustle. Like, just total nonchalantness. Like, here's a band aid. Like, yeah. clean yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> One piece yeah, of gauze. that was psycho. You put a hole in that shark with a shotgun. Yeah, we almost all died. That was wild. <laughs> it was just, ah, it's just another day. Yeah, uh, Pollard. That had to hurt. Uh, the captain's exchange following the return home from their trips in the opening sequence. Clooney's count is, I think, like a 75. And Dr. Greenlaw... Still, when they're reporting to the sort of manager of both fleets, 
and uh, he clearly lost to her. Oh, yeah. I know it's not, like, formally a competition, but informally, it's definitely a competition between them. Mm-hmm. And that had to hurt. Clooney to come home and just lose to a girl. Yeah, and then she graciously offers to team up, which he declines because Clooney's a stubborn, yeah. can't catch fish, no good yeah, piece of shit. He always says he can, but we never <laughs> yeah. see it. Well, they do catch a lot. They just lost their lives for it. And they had right. to go to the I Flemish cap to find it. There wasn't any closer, it. okay? Yeah, I, I promise. So fish at the Flemish cap because no one goes there. Yeah, because yeah. people die. Because yeah. Yeah. all the good fishermen found it 50 miles from shore, not 500. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Now we're going to turn our attentions to ex-local fanboy Michael Hillary for Magic Mike's Main Minute. What did you think of The Perfect Storm, Mike? Why did Paul choose that movie? I've never seen it. How many dumb fucking Boston accents is in that movie? And how many of them did you guys try to do? Like, did anyone talk about ah on a yacht? Like, oh, I got some... Well, shit, I learned English. But if it was... Ah. Uh, if you were to say... Well, it's funny because I heard somebody at my work recently struggle talking about art on a yacht. How many people in The Perfect Storm can you name? Three. George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Linda Greenlaw. But I don't think Mark Wahlberg did it. Yeah, wait. Why don't you discuss uh, your connection with Dr. Linda Greenlaw? No, I'm not going to because I... No, I don't want to bring my... There's no need to bring in my professional life into... Dr. Linda Greenlaw was actually hired... No, she's not a doctor. You didn't see the movie. She's a fisherman. She's a a doctor. She's a a lobster ram. She's a fisherman. She's a swordfish... Like, Captain, like, that's her fucking thing. She's not a doctor. She's not a fucking doctor. I think you should look up Dr. Linda Greenlaw. I just... Okay. Dr. Linda Greenlaw. Dr. Linda Green. Don't pretend to look something up. It's not true. She's a fucking author and a fisherman, man. She's not a fucking doctor, you genius. She has a Wikipedia page. It doesn't talk about her being a doctor. Agree to disagree. Yeah. No, no. She You're... majored in English at Colby, man. She's not a fucking doctor. She's a she's Doctor she Greenlaw. <laughs> no, but like she's not a fucking doctor, man. Fuck off, man. There's, we didn't hire her. We didn't pay her. Dick. Like she's not a fucking doctor. Okay, so right. I was, uh, did you hear about the guy who was addicted to the hokey pokey? Yeah, you don't have to worry about him. I heard he turned himself around. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to who organizes the reunion. It's so nice to come together. together. I think the wall organizes the reunion. And that's where all their names are. And that's where the reunion's organized. And it's just, those guys are having a... Eternal reunion on that wall. Yeah, it's a hard reunion to have when everybody died. Pollard, what do you got? <laughs> um, John C. Riley's kid organizes the reunion. I thought about that. Um, he gets messed up pretty bad as John his father, as his father alludes to, that he would in his final words, and uh, he becomes jealous of the other kids in school whose fathers are fishermen but always return home <clears throat> every day, and so he shows up to the docks one day. At 17 years old with a 50 caliber sniper rifle and just starts picking them off. Oh my god. He's messed up to say that. Jesus. This has to get cut. That wall got a little longer that day. 
Yeah, all the mass shootings from kids who went nuts after their parents died. I just, I just foresee the most. It's a bold take. I like it. It's just (laughs) as traumatic as it can get for this kid, and yeah, that's where my mind went with it. Sorry, kids taunting like your dad died at sea. (laughs) Kids are ruthless, man. On the playground. Yeah. Just saying, he snaps. No, I I hear you. That's the reunion. It's, I like it. I it's like a, your, it's a shooting like spree at, at the, the the docks, man. It's just, it's just Mike's gonna love this segment. Yeah. God. Slave midget Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that's great. Uh, Joel, reunion. Um, I think there's a reunion at the bar, and so Ma organizes the reunion. Oh, yeah, that's fitting. At the bar. They have, like, a, you know, a Irish wake style, like when they have when a cop retires or a cop dies or something. So all the fishermen get together an anniversary 20 years later, and, and they all take a shot in honor of them. And then Ma's like, get out of my fucking bar! And then they all have to leave. She's they like, name a drink after each of the crew members, and the, when you get a Soli... You just take the shot and you like accidentally drop it instead of (laughs) But then you steal your neighbors because you dropped yours. Uh, That'd be funny. Like everyone has a drink, and then like one of them has a really shitty drink, like a Cosmo or something. No one ever orders it that far, you know? Like, uh, why did I get the seven and seven? Like, this sucks. Black like come on. Yeah, I got the got the blowjob shot. Like, you I don't put like Jägermeister in my drink. <laughs> named after. Yeah, Juan Pierre gets like a Red Bull and vodka. <laughs> What's the Juan Pierre? Like, oh, it's a Jello shot. <laughs> <laughs> One of those, like, no, I don't. I'll take something else. Like, yeah. What's the Clooney? It's like, that's an old fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the one Pierre's are out in the fridge in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta go get them. The <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Clutch Award. Baby, you are so money and you don't even know it. Pollard. Who organizes the Clutch Award? Um, <laughs> Sully McSullivan for Saving Murph. Kyle, Clutch Award. Um, this week I'm giving my Clutch Award to Aaron for uh, noting William Fitchner as McSullivan. It, so I, accept. I wish you guys it had just told really, me that <laughs> It really changed my viewing into a very pleasant experience. And if that hadn't been brought to my attention... This slog of a movie would have just been a real chore, but it turned into a delightful watch. And so, that's thank great. you, Aaron. You're welcome. I accept wow. my that's first a, clutch award. That's, a, that's a five GFA first. How yeah. do you feel, man? I feel good. It's, uh, yeah. It feels good to be appreciated and acknowledged. Anything that brings attention to me, I like. <laughs> it's a good chance for you just to get out there, jump on your hog, and. I can never just sort of ride into. I, don't the, have, I, have a, I, have a I know you put a down payment on something. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. You, but if you did, I'd be a motorcycle, <laughs> like a good one. What kind? I don't know. Like you haven't really thought about good. it. Uh, it's just silly. Right. <laughs> so, like Are you into like Kawasaki like stupid, or like I don't know, maybe, Harley maybe, Davidson? Maybe, like something like a Harley. <laughs> something more speed. I think the mom wins the clutch award. She's there to hug Diane Lane like 45 times during the movie and just nestle Diane Lane's crying face into her hearty bosom. Yeah, it's a little romantic. Like, constantly, constantly hugging Diane Lane like with a proud... They hold hands at yeah, the end. Yeah, it's, uh, 
It's a little much. And considering they don't even live together, this is a new relationship. No, she bought a new apartment down at the <laughs> other side. I know it's nothing special, but it's a place for us. You know? I got the pillows at least. <laughs> yeah, I got some pillows and a plant. And look at this oven there. It's going to make your fish. <laughs> Jesus, you get it. But yeah, she hugs her so many times. That's clutch. She's there yeah. for her. Let's move on to quotes. Fog's just lifting. Throw off your bow line. Throw off your stern. Head up the South Channel, past Rocky Neck, Ten Pound Island, past Niles Pond, where I skated as a kid. You blow your air horn and you throw a wave to the lighthouse keeper's kid on Thatcher Island. And the birds show up. Black backs and herring gulls, big dump ducks. The sun hits you, head north, open up to 12. Steaming now. The guys are busy. You're in charge. You know what? You're a goddamn swordboat captain. Is there anything better in the world? Pollard, quote. This is his moment. The fog's just lifting. Throw off your bowline, throw off your stern. You head out to South Channel, past Rocky Neck, 10 Pound Island. Past Niles Pond, where I skated as a kid. Blow your air horn and throw a wave to the lighthouse keeper's kid on Thatcher Island. Then the birds show up. Black backs. Herring gulls. <laughs> Big dump dogs! <laughs> <laughs> Big dump ducks. Dump ducks. That was good. That was, that good. was great. Big dump ducks. The sun hits you. Head north. Open up to 12. Steaming now. The guys are busy. You're in charge. You know what? You're a goddamn sword boat captain. Is there anything better in the world? And my response is, yeah, there's quite a few things. <laughs> there's like quite a few things that are better. No. Um... Again, I was completely drawn into the romanticism in this film and that sets it up and ends it in such a beautiful way. The way yeah. it's delivered. Just play the George For Clooney. an overly sappy, like, sentimental film that's tugging on your heartstrings constantly, like, that one did work for me, too. <laughs> Especially the Big Dump Ducks. BigDumpDucks.com <laughs> <laughs> Is it Dump Ducks? You said, I thought you said dumb ducks. Yeah. Big dumb ducks. <laughs> Flying around. They can't fly. <laughs> big old big old dump ducks. The, duck, the ducks out there are pretty stupid, I gotta say. Um, Kyle, quotes. Um, so the first one, I feel like this is a good place to just put in the Clooney quote. The long one. Yeah. I'm the romantic gonna, one they it. do twice. Okay. I'm, I'm going to read it. Yeah. Just just when you're done, just be like, but imagine George Clooney saying it because that's what I was going to Like, me, you saying it, me saying it. It's not as sound. No, good. no, no. We're George Clooney in, saying it is like. We're going to uh, put in the George Clooney one, but I'm also going to read it. Yeah. You should read it. Fox, Fox just lifting. Throw off your bow line, throw off your stern. Um, so when John Hawks is at the bar talking to Irene, AKA Big Red, he says to her, Can I take you home? And she goes, in what, a wheelbarrow? Now, this is a big lady, and I thought she was like, <laughs> I thought she was like taking this jab at herself. And I was like, oh, that's aggressive. And then she turns it around and she says, 
uh, crew guys like you never have a car. And it's like, oh, shit, you turned your yeah. own put down into a put down on John Hawks for not owning yeah. a car. And then later he's like, I'm going to buy a truck. And it's for Irene because they're in love. And he needs a flatbed to haul her around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. It was interesting. Um, that's it for quotes, yeah? Let's move on to... What takes me out of the movie? What takes me out of the flick? Kyle, what takes you out of point break? <laughs> Kyle, what takes you out of the perfect... Nobody fucking move! <laughs> One more time. Nobody fucking move! <laughs> There it is. No, I meant the... Kyle, what takes you out of the perfect storm? Oh, man. What takes me out of the perfect storm is... Uh, storm? <laughs> it's not that perfect. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, John C. Riley's kid is an atrocious actor. Yeah, that's true. We talked about the little brother in Fear doing a great job of just not being a shitty actor and, like, how amazing that is sometimes. This kid couldn't even do that. But then on top of that, this kid looks nothing like john c Riley. in yeah, no world yeah. is that his kid but how ugly would a kid who looks like john c Riley be <laughs> just like how scary yeah ugly, but like just like oh jesus yeah. you look like john c Riley. No, and what sucks about those scenes too is like john c Riley is batting a thousand yeah and he's just met on the other end with just the worst the worst the worst actor in the movie um what takes me out of the movie is how much time we spend with the rescue divers Mm. Yeah. didn't need it that long yep. it just really took me out of it it was like why are we I don't know any of these guys backstory we're spending so much time with them diving out getting rescued getting like multiple attempts to rescue them like just mm -hmm. truncate that tighten nope. that up we get it move on I just don't even tighten it up take it out I don't need it get yeah. rid of it <laughs> they couldn't refuel they had to dive out then they were saved that's yeah. it that's all we need to know like, yeah. that's why they weren't rescued by helicopter yep, yep. Pollard what takes you out of the movie? Um, I talked a lot already about Irene, Big Red. You really hate that bitch. At the <laughs> funeral, it just takes me out. Like she's sitting there, sad with everyone at the bar, and I get it. Like the whole town's in distress, but she just doesn't earn her place at this she table. Earn her right to yeah, be sad. Yeah, well, she's got a front row spot at the funeral. Yeah, she's getting treated like a widow. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's not. not a widow. She had she's... one horrible pickup line and a savvy goodbye, but. Also, not having pictures of the real crew in the credits at the end, and yes, we talked great about point. we talked about how maybe the families of uh, those involved in the real story like weren't approving of the movie, so they probably didn't get permission. But I was just waiting for it, and I wanted to see the actors' picture next to the real guys. I wanted to see a little text bio of the crew and a great picture of them on their boat as it fades to black at the end. So yeah, I'll like we'll move into McMulligan's mm -hmm. now. Um, Let's jump into McMulligan's. My McMulligan is similar to what Joel said. <laughs> Sorry, that was really so funny. Good. Just like being like, oh, yes. <laughs> okay, um, sorry, go ahead, start over. Let's jump into McMulligan's. My McMulligan is more time at shore. I would like to see a little bit more of that. More time at sea. Maybe a scene where they're going through a storm and they get through that. It's like a precursor to the hurricane. Just a little more them at, at sea. More. I think what makes Jaws great is seeing them interact in the confined area of a cabin at sea in a rinky-dink boat. 
I would have liked more of that. There was enough great actors and great characters that were established in a very short amount of time that we all were into and supportive of and liked. Just have them interact more at sea and have a little more exploratory stuff. Yeah. Cut that storm in a third, and then that's it. Pollard. <laughs> Mick Mulligan. Uh, put Terry Funk in this movie, yeah. please. Funk, yeah. Are you we kidding me? What the funk. This movie came out. Wolf, oh. th- he's for sure within Wolfgang Peterson's wheelhouse. Doesn't they couldn't? Any- the budget wasn't there. He, <laughs> take he's, out, yeah. take out Pierre, whatever his name is. Juan Pierre. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, let's get rid of Juan Pierre and let's put in Terry Funk. That guy was made to play a role like this. Are you kidding me? I totally I agree. If, I don't know if 2000 Terry Funk was in shape for this movie. <laughs> It'd be Wrestlers like... have a cliff-like fault off of like physical prime. I agree. I think that could be a new category is would Terry Funk work in this movie or something? Yes. Well, the answer would be yes. <laughs> yes. All the time. Kind of like, like McSullivan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is this work as a McSullivan movie? Yeah. So yeah. Going back to in Over the Top, we talked about how Terry Funk, we talked about how Swayze would have alphaed Stallone if they had teamed up. Yeah, right. But in these timelines, Stallone alphas Funk and Swayze alphas Funk, but Stallone literally physically beats the shit out of him. Stallone's kind of the alpha there, right? Interesting. When it comes to Terry Funk. So Stallone's George Clooney's character. We get Scott Kahn in for Wahlberg. (laughs) Terry Funk is now on Pierre. But we keep Hawks. Fitchner and John C. Riley. Yes. That's a fucking movie. And at the end, you see Swayze's ghost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they talk to like... each other, tell like, yeah. that's a perfect yeah. fucking storm of a movie. Because he was at Bell's Beach, and he died at Seattle. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, oh. yeah, Stallone yelling at the wave. Stallone's oh. arrogance and stubbornness just hey, like you know, entering just... the trip. And Scott Kahn's beard would have been a three-quarter shit beard for sure. <laughs> hey, it worked. Hey, the fog's just lifting. <laughs> Throw off your bowline. Throw off <laughs> big dumb ducks. Son, it hits you. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Hey, the open up to 12. He's steaming now. We got the guys are <laughs> you're in charge. We know Stallone loves the, uh, you know, you got to keep get up when you're knocked down. Like, speeches. Yeah. So his speech instead of Clooney's like, we'll get the fish and make our money. His is like, you know, life ain't giving us no fish right now. We got to go find our own fish. Life ain't going to give us more fish. Pull us up by the fish straps. Hey, fish ain't going to just come at you in life. It's about how much fish you can go get. You got to go get the fish. Don't let the fish get you. Everyone's just like, all right, that was confusing. We'll it's just, like, are we we'll are we going in the storm like, or not? Because oh, oh, you just got to take the storm by a storm by your hands. Yeah, the storm takes you and you take the storm. You know, <laughs> how much you can get up yeah. and keep going. I, w- I, w- I was in Rocky. Uh, <laughs> Rambo. And Rambo. Let's move on to sending out an SOS. I'll send an SOS to the world. Kyle McMulligan. My SOS. That's what I meant. (laughs) I'd like to see a sequel where Diane Lane goes on a trip to Italy to get over her grief. She heads out to wine country to bang away her sorrows. 
It's basically under the Tuscan sun, but instead of Sandra Oh as Diane Lane's sidekick, it's the Ma character from the movie and Irene Big Red Johnson, played by none other than Rusty Swimmer. <laughs> so I don't know how many people have seen Johnson. <laughs> yeah, in the movie. Big Red Johnson. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It might be Johnston, but still close enough. Yeah, close enough. But yeah, I don't know how many people like have it. seen Under the Tuscan Sun, but nope, it's phenomenal. Okay. <laughs> Seek it out. Tune in next week for under the. That'd be a fun one. To we do. should do it. Yeah, we should. That'd be really fun. <laughs> Our first Sandra O flick. Yeah. Sideways we could do. Yeah. And stay tuned for Sandra October. <laughs> <laughs> um, my SOS. I want a sequel where Marky Mark survives, like Kyle pointed out. That's interesting. Don't interesting. see him die. He goes to shore and he rounds up. Like, the other people that are still left in this movie. So he gets Diane Lane. He gets the old guy. He gets the boat owner who's, like, doing the, the like, oh, I don't know how to work this even though I own the boat. And he, it's a humbling <laughs> thing for him. And they're like, Mark and Mark's like, I got this ship now. We're going to go, like, find our guys and do our own, like, in memoriam kind of fishing trip. Yeah. And then they die also. <laughs> goes terribly awry and like you think marky mark's gonna survive and he doesn't you see like the shark like from earlier bite him and eat him and it's the perfect stormist it's like that shark that shark ended up winning the the day the perfected the more perfect storm it's more perfect four storms are you kidding me ever before (laughs) does it get any more perfect than the perfect you thought three storms meeting up was a big deal (laughs) this fall (laughs) The four. four perfect, the more perfect storm. The four perfect storm. They're definitely not going to be able to turn around this time. <laughs> <laughs> Introducing Rusty Schwimmer, the all-encompassing swim program that's designed specifically for all you Rusty Schwimmers out there. Got a fishing trip coming up in the Flemish Cap? Heading to a work yacht party that you want the option to leave hastily from in case things get dicey with your drunk boss's wife? You're going to want to be prepared, and in many cases, that means being able to swim at a moment's notice. But you're rusty. You haven't swam in years, and you're about to be in a situation where that could come in handy. If you meet the ridiculous requirements I just listed, then you need to call Rusty Swimmer today. The swimming program for all you rusty swimmers out there so you could swim good instead of swim bad. Presented by David Atkins. Let's move on to genre swap. All right, I'll tell you what you do. Pull the old switcheroo! Joel, what do you got for genre swap? My genre swap would be making this movie as a musical, a la yeah. Les, Les Mis. Okay. And I'm going to see uh, in the beginning of the movie, they've got some love songs. John T. Riley busts out a, like, you know, I want to be the perfect father yeah. type of song. And then Clooney's got to, like, he's, when they get on the boat and they're going out, he's got a nice little, like, soft, like, I'm the captain now. Yeah. Like, they just tell, they just, they just speak the script. <laughs> they just, What's they, the shark fight song? They just, they just. Oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> they just say us. what they are. And then the rescue divers. <laughs> Why are we in this? Why are we in this? I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I want to see the one where he's yelling at the. At the wave. Yeah, that's like a metal song. Do <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Do you Irene at the It's a musical funeral. for everyone. Oh yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, Irene's got one. She got Where a. Where sw- did you go? 
Yeah. Why has love <laughs> left me again? <laughs> I feel like it'd be more a song about her, like, if I don't go, people won't shame me because yeah. I had the day off work. But if I do go, people might look at me funny because I shouldn't be here. Instead do I go? Of, uh, Should I not go? Do I go with him? <laughs> instead of the rock music, when they put out their first line... It's just It's a group number. Yeah, That's for sure. Them like tossing each other. Gotta get the fish, gotta get the fish. <laughs> Gonna bring the home the money. I spilled the light sticks everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Sully's got some <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream party, cause the ice machine is dead. <laughs> I would not go it. to see that. <laughs> I'd rather have been on that boat that went down than have to sit through this play again. The, the lawsuit like, goes through from the victims' families that sue the yeah. musical, and it's like, yes, you guys owe them money. That was Joel's genre swap? That's yes. what it was. My genre swap is a castaway, deserted island kind of uh, okay. genre swap. So like they all get washed onto an island. Turns into like a Lord of the Flies kind of thing, like who's yeah. in charge? Robinson Crusoe. Uh, yeah, you know, is Clooney still the alpha? Does Walver demonstrate his physical superiority? Sully tries to be the alpha, right? But Sully's the Sully's better off as like a obedient goon. Yeah. In a so. unanimous vote, they choose to eat Juan Pierre first. Yeah. <laughs> right. Barbacoa. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> Barbacoa. That's good. <laughs> Pollard, genre swap. Uh, it's hard when this is based on a true story, but yet it's soft. But it is as a narrative inspiration. I wouldn't mind a space sci-fi. How much would you pay for this movie? If the only way you could ever watch it again was if you own the Blu-ray version of the movie. Of the movie. Okay, got it. Now Kyle, I get it. What's your Blu-ray price? There is a $30 movie in here. Oh, wow. <laughs> I said there is a $30 movie in here. This isn't that movie. Change like three to four things and it might be, but right now, $5.99. I'm going to go with $9.99. Um, I, like, I really like Up Into the Storm. So it's worth it. I see where your $30 thing is, Eric. Yeah. There's a lot there. It's a fun mm -hmm. watch, Up Into the Storm. The McSullivan stuff made it where I will watch this again just for that part That's of it. Cool. Like, I'm definitely going to watch this movie again. I'm not going to love it. I might not watch the whole thing. I might yeah. just watch Till the Storm. Yeah. So $9.99. Pollard. $49.99. Oh, wee! Say what you want. I love the movie. I loved the No, music. say what you want. It's your turn. Okay, yeah. I'll say what <laughs> I want. Man. Okay, I'll say what I want. Then I loved the movie. I uh, loved the music. Loved the romantic nature of the movie. Um, I want to see it again a lot, so I'm paying a lot. So not to put you on the spot, but kind of put you on the spot. Put me on the spot. You paid a hundred bucks for Boiler Room. Is this movie half as good as Boiler Room? Nah, I should probably raise this price. Yeah, right. Go higher. Seventy four ninety nine. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> Seventy four ninety nine. Ching. Mean, really, in reality, oh. Boiler Room should not have been a hundred dollars. But if I'm going to equalize things, I... Kyle did we should have yeah. a category yeah. afterwards where Jana yeah. critiques the Blu-ray and it's called Jana's Price Shaming. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. Yeah. No, I love this movie. Yeah. No, it's a good movie. Oh. Five ninety nine. This is a perfect movie of a perfect storm. <laughs> Joel, Blu-ray. 
You know, I almost went as high as Polly. It was close, but I ended up going with two dollars. <laughs> no, that's not close at all. How dare you? How dare you? Two dollars? Let's wrap things up with Does This Movie Work as a McSullivan Vehicle? Pollard, Max Sullivan. Yeah, what do I what do I do? Does do this I... movie work as a McSullivan? It's just a yes or no, and that's it. Okay. You just say yes or no, and then we move to the next person. Yeah, no, it's a mix. It, this is a McSullivan. Yeah movie. or no, which one? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. If I say yeah, no, yeah, no, no yeah. it's yes. If I say no, yeah, it's no. Okay. No, it's also yes. Okay. In the middle of a bank robbery heist, Mac finds an opportunity to steal the getaway boat that the criminals had set up in New Orleans and takes the money for himself. When Pops catches him in the act, Mac convinces him to come with him on a voyage for a new life when he tells him that he knows a cocaine guy in the Bahamas and with some startup money that they've just seized can start a new life as drug runners across the Gulf of Mexico. In the Bahamas, while at a local night party, Mac overhears the swordfish captain speak of the take he was able to earn while taking a beautiful girl with him upstairs above the bar. Convinced, Mac sets off for the northeastern United States. He doesn't know a thing about fishing for swordfish, but the manager of the fleet that he meets has a bad cocaine habit, and he gets his own crew with pops on it. On their first trip out, the crew realizes very fast Mac has no idea what he's doing, and they overthrow the ship, but it's too late, and the only groceries Mac had brought on board is a year's supply of beer and his cocaine stash. The crew becomes delirious from dehydration and begin to go crazy. This is where it gets good. Chapter two. <laughs> There's a lot of surreal imagery of a storm that hits. There's no hope for this crew. Pops loses it and kills the crew in order to eat them, while Mac loses it and mistakes the ice machine for a cocaine machine. <laughs> and he begins he begins snorting all the ice in the freezer. The delusional frenzy is covered in the surreal visuals of a huge storm until the camera pans out and it's revealed they're on completely still waters and it's made clear the storm has been in Mac's mind the whole time. Whoa! Whoa. Mac, Mac, attack. Picture him snorting the ice and being like, oh, it's getting right to my brain. It's like, dude, you have brain freeze. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so did freeze. they go on the boat? Oh, yeah, they're on the boat, but they're not in a storm. And... Pops didn't no eat storm. everyone. No, Pops ate, ate guys. Well, that happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that part was real. Just a storm. It's just like, yeah, no, the water's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but we're still eating everyone. They had every chance to get back home safe, but they didn't realize because they had gone delusional. Sounds like the morning. storm's the least of his troubles. <laughs> Pops is just yeah. cannibalizing the crew. <laughs> eating everyone. Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, Pops is crazy. Mac That's is dope. crazy. There's no more cocaine. We haven't really beer. had like a psycho horror movie. Like that's that's a good one. Psychological horror. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. would that would be a really well, and interesting. Well, it plays Sullivan. tricks on I you as a viewer. It. Yeah, because you think there's a storm. I'll give you a hundred million for that. Okay, go make it. Yeah, but you won't pay five bucks for this movie. No, mm-hmm. I really want to see your version. <laughs> so I think this does work as a McSullivan vehicle. What? I think McSullivan plays the Wahlberg character, and the same events in the movie happen. And McSullivan eventually like bumps into something out at sea. 
turns into the Truman Show, and it's the McSullivan Show. Whoa. And all this has been a TV show that everyone's been watching. McSullivan's oh, the main the character. That on is it. not safe for kids. Yeah, no, it's an R-rated <laughs> HBO TV. That's, like that's Sunday that's night. more like a live leak. Like, yeah, right? it's, yeah, it's Spice no one Channel. could see this. Yeah, <laughs> dark um, web shit. Yeah, so it's a Truman Show kind of McSullivan show. I would of, love yeah. to see the McSullivan show. And he's like, he he immediately goes into panic of not like, oh no, this is all. It's like people have been watching me. Yeah, all my shit I I do like. All my cocaine, yeah. my hookers, my not washing properly, yeah. my not washing my hands when I go There's to the bathroom. There's a part of him that likes it. My parking in handicapped spots, yeah. my stealing books, my stealing anything, really, because he steals yeah. a lot of shit. Yeah, I think he does like it. I think McSullivan hits the wall, and in, like all of those things go through his head, and then he determines, I kind of like the fact that people are watching me, and they don't know that I know they're watching me. Let's just keep doing weird shit and I'll get off on the fact that they're watching me. That's going to get me hard finally. I haven't been hard in ages. It it gives him liberty to kind of do anything he wants in a town that's a complete set. Right? Like there's no repercussions for any other crimes now. Yes, that's what happened. And in the Truman Show, everything's set up for him. So it's like, oh, I killed that hooker, but it was just part of the show. (laughs) So like, oh, I'm actually cool. I can do whatever. I'm in GTA now. He goes on a rampage. Yes, the GTA. Okay. All bets are off. Yes. The McSullivan Show. Yes. Yeah. I'll give you 500 million for that. Uh, Kyle McSullivan. It does work. Uh, yeah. Mick Sullivan, like we said, plays William Fitchner's character. Mc- Where'd you come up with that bullshit? <laughs> well, his name is Sully. So I tried to write it as Wahlberg, and then I was like, no, let's just do the yeah. Fitchner thing. So Mick Sullivan is looking at life in prison when his captain discovers Mick Sullivan has been stealing all the cocaine from the evidence locker for the past 20 years and is caught white-handed having a one-man puppy party in the police station after hours <laughs> yeah. in a dog suit. Because of this, McSullivan goes on the lam, changes his name to Bruce Willis Fitch Sullivan, and winds up in Boston. <laughs> McSullivan is plenty happy, banging his way through East Coast townies and chumming it up with the local packy. But when one of Mac's broads gets too attached to him, he decides he needs a way out. He stumbles across George Clooney, who mistakes him for another 65-year-old fisherman and asks him to join the crew. Yeah. <laughs> they set sail. And McSullivan spends the boat ride out to Sable Island, coughing up blood and berating his shipmates. <laughs> when McSullivan learns of the sexy Dr. Greenlaw, he invites her over the intercom to meet up with them. <laughs> Dr. Greenlaw can hear the sexiness in Mac's voice, but can't see the dried blood from his coughing fits over the intercom and comes to meet up immediately. George Clooney wakes up the next morning to find McSullivan banging Dr. Greenlaw in the ice locker on top of fish corpses and capitalizing on her head. Oh, gosh. McSullivan pulls a piece of paper from his wallet that is more like a lengthy scroll, and we see Mac check off one of the items. We zoom in, and we see it says, Perform a Flemish cap at the Flemish cap. (laughs) (laughs) And the... And the big words on top in childlike handwriting say, Max fuck it list. <laughs> the Flemish cap, it's a Flemish cap. George Clooney looks at Dr. Greenlaw and says, you're a goddamn sword boat captain. Is there anything better in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Clooney names McSullivan the new captain of the Andrea Gale. Why? Because he's impressed with his Flemish cap capabilities. Yeah, that's true. 
McSullivan's Flemish capitalizing, Flemish capitalities. capitalizing his abilities. <laughs> McSullivan decides to stay out in the Flemish cap for a week, thus saving the life of the entire crew when they make it home unscathed and they miss the storm entirely. When McSullivan approaches the boat owner on the shore and he asks about the hall, McSullivan looks at him and says, that meat's gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. The yeah. end. Oh, Very good. That'll do it for this episode of Five Guys Flicking Around. Yeah. You can email us at fiveguysflickingaround at gmail.com. Check out our website, 5gfapod.com. Uh, you can download our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Look what I have created. I have made fire. I have made fire. I think this is one of the traits of a really good producer. I'm not ashamed Keep no more. the talent happy. You just killed a helicopter with a car. All right, boys, prepare to be dazzled. Break yourself, fool. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? It's important that we get together on this thing. If you had some glue, I'm really good at gluing. I could just glue it. You sandbagging son of a bitch. Y'all ready to bust some ass? Lick a license. Lick her license. We've got entirely too many troublemakers here. I am an FBI agent. You look like a blueberry. I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. You know who I am. You that silly ass reporter from the Channel 5 News, ain't you? I'm Mo Green. What are you looking at, butthead? Let's go, let's go, I'm bored, let's go. Shut the fuck up, Pollard. Sounds like a big vagina husband. Hello, hello, we're back again. Boat, say, boat, be boat, Andrea Gale. Semen. You hey. didn't mention semen. I got like 10 penis enlargement emails from you. Very romantic. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Oh no, a big wave! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I think... No! I think... Did you have to cry? Like, that much? What's his name, Pierre? What? Juan Pierre. Storm of a lifetime. Hello, my name is Dr. Greenlaw. He was Joaquin Phoenix. I'm watching them watch something. That's interesting. That is very That's interesting. I'm interested. <laughs> Your mom's audible. Whoa! Buscemi also could have been on the boat. Think about that. No, think about it. Stop. Stop. Okay. Buscemi. Okay, but where are the glasses? Go ship yourself. <laughs>